Welcome to the Rainbow Room. Our podcast about writing, representation, and gay stuff. This is Call Me By Your Name with Richie Armani, part one. I'm Andrew. My name is Eric. And today we are joined by the Richie Armani. Hey! Hi! I'm so happy to be here. And we also have a really fun podcast first in that me and Richie are actually in the same room right now. We're both here in Seattle. We have only ever recorded with everyone virtually, remotely. And so being with you in person is really cool. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. It's a good time. So Richie is a really awesome stand-up comic here in Seattle. And that's uh, (laughs) similar to our last guest. I met Richie through TikTok. He has these awesome TikToks of him doing stand-up where he's like he's just really really good at dealing with hecklers and playing with the audience and and crowd work and so i saw one of his sets and i commented i was like oh my god you're a queer comic in seattle i am too i'd love to meet you uh and then we met up and we've become fast friends we did yeah it's been good i'm happy to have you yeah also richie's just been really awesome like you're a really good like guide and he's like done a great job showing me like the open mic scene it's like i feel like it's been like the epitome of like like uh, a queer alliance, a queer friendship. What's what I'm looking for? Okay, let's not say Solidarity. things we can't take back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we still have plenty of time to become uh, vicious rivals. <laughs> no, I, I try and be a good person sometimes. I don't know. Not always, but I try. Um, and then also uh, Richie has a stand-up show coming up where he gets to headline and do a 45-minute to 60-minute set, which is amazing. Yeah, it's my first hour. Yeah, it's my first 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, so I'm really excited. It's going to be on May 20th at the Rendezvous. If anyone is listening and wants to come, it'll be a good time. Yeah, if you're in the Seattle area, you should definitely check that out. Um, yeah, and it's and it's really exciting because like you've been doing this for two years now, so you've been able to like really uh climb quickly and like really get your name out there quickly and I think it's really a testament to like how hard you've been grinding and how how good you are at what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's definitely a little bit unheard of for someone for two years to be doing an hour or doing a headlining spot but also like I have a really good team behind me so I can't take all the credit like my team is really great and they're helping me produce this and it's it's been a good ride so far getting into this hour oh that's really awesome like what do you mean by by team um so the show is produced by parlor tricks comedy which is the group that me and three of my friends run and we produce shows locally and like that's how I've been able to get as much stage time as I has have to be be able to create an hour of stand-up so it's not just like i'm relying on open mics like we're creating opportunity for ourselves that's really really cool mm-hmm. yeah. yeah actually and I've, I've those are the guys i've met right i met yeah. some of his friends they're really really cool and also i think it's really cool because they're all straight and i i think while i do love having like my queer alliances i think it also is really important to acknowledge that like you shouldn't just stick to that or like close windows of opportunity and it's really about collaborating with everyone and so i think it's really cool that you've like found this team of people and that you guys bond so well and work really well together it's awesome oh yeah no i'm really lucky like i've always been pretty good with like straight guys and (laughs) gay guys 
gays and the queer community and the straight community. It's been good. Like, I, I don't think I would be as successful as I am if I only relied on one of the two communities. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Collaboration is so important. I also like just to throw some more love on Richie. He's gotten to, he's already got to open for some like really cool comics. So you've opened for Amy Miller. And the one I'm most excited about is you opened for Mateo Lane. I opened for Mateo Lane last month. And then, yeah, that was really cool. He was so nice. He was so nice in real life. I don't know. Do you want me to name off some of the other people? That yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also opened for uh, Joe Dombrowski, a queer, well, he's he's gay, gay professional stand-up comedian. Um, I've also opened for Nicole Byer. I've opened for Jeff Dye, who was from Girl Code, uh, Ian Bag, famous crowd work comic. And that's all I can think of right now. But I know I've, I know I have more. <laughs> that's so amazing. Like, how do you get those gigs? Uh, I'm really lucky with like my home club. Like Tacoma Comedy Club is my home club and they put me up for a lot of things. And then um, Amy was, I met her opening for Nicole. And then um, the Crocodile here in Seattle puts me up with a lot of good names coming through. Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, networking? Networking, yeah. is that it? Like, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm networking. You've also had to apply for some of these too right like you send in a set and i i sent in a set for mateo i sent a set for mateo like but that was the only one and that was only because he requested he pick his openers and he wanted to see tape but most of the time all of the comics that i've opened for is because like the bookers they're like you'd be good with this person and like the headliners were nice enough to just be like sure whatever like they trusted the club bookers enough to be like yeah we can have this person open that's freaking fantastic that's awesome yeah like and that's one it's so cool that when you did apply that you were able to get selected and two it's cool that what you're doing is like good enough that the people are watching you and seeing your talent and being like okay I pair them like that's awesome it's been really great like I I'm really lucky to be as successful as I am as a stand-up this early into my like stand-up career you said you're saying the word luck a lot but I just want to mention that one this bitch hustles two he has talent I've gotten to see him like since seeing his TikToks I've also like seen him live now and he's very good Eric when you come out here I'm gonna like bring it all these stand-up shows. It'll be a good time, Eric. You'll be really, you'll be really excited to come hang out. I'll get to Seattle quick. I'll be there so fast. Um, I've never been before, but it sounds like it has a really. It sounds like it has like a. It sounds like it has a bustling um, stand-up scene. Yeah, no, it definitely is. There's definitely like a vibe out here for it. Like people are here to watch stand-up. Yeah, you should come out for my headlining set. Come hang out next month. Can you be here next month? <laughs> Get over I here. I don't know if I can, <laughs> but I will be rooting from afar, and I will be uh, clicking like on all your videos that you post on TikTok Thank from you. it. I love that. No, uh, honestly, Eric, like the stand-up. Scene out here is really i don't know because eric you also do stand up um did you do it in austin too i like rarely did it in austin i like dabbled i've definitely done a lot more in oh York, cool um which is still like a small amount i feel like man well yeah what's um, the scene what's the scene like uh, in new york be honest new york new york is fun it's um i have been like i've just found a lot of like nice queer and women run um mics to just wait for real work that's awesome um yeah there's so many of those throughout brooklyn which is really cool and i met a lot of really cool people from that um it's cool just because like there's so many different neighborhoods here and each neighborhood has its like own vibe um yeah it feels like there's like just so many you have such a selection of open mics to go to every single night of the week that's great i like that i like a list selection i would if i'm being perfectly honest i would be like who's the mic that i should go to that can get me noticed that's i just want to be famous i want my 
Comedy Central special. Mm. I want my Netflix special. That's all that I want. His Insta bio is, you'll see my name in fucking lights. Yeah, I want <laughs> everyone. I want every man that's ever scorned me to know that one day they won't be able to go places without seeing my name. Oh my God, that's so petty. <laughs> I don't care. I want that. That's what I want. Yeah. But So real talk, when you go to in like a, a new city and you're trying to do mics, is that really what you look for? Is there like a way, like you're like, hey, where can I go where I'm most likely to be spot? Yes, absolutely. I do all my research before I go into a city and I'm like, who's the mic that I can go to that would get me attention? Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So I I just, I want to circle back to like stand-up scenes elsewhere. Austin is where I started doing stand-up. We've had some really cool comedians come out of Austin. I mean, the most famous one is Andrew Dismukes, um, which is awesome. And then Michael Good is also freaking hilarious. He's doing shows out in New York. Eric, you have to go see a Michael Good show. Michael Good, okay. Is it good good with an E or is it just like G-O-O-D? I think it's good with an E. I've seen some like great comics in Austin and that was before Joe Rogan moved there. I know that that's really having an impact on the stand-up scene in Austin now. And then LA was fun. LA is a lot of like pay to play where you like pay $5 and you, but you get five minutes. But also a lot of the places I was going would not re- meet Richie's standard of like, oh, go here to get famous. Cause it was more like small, intimate like places where you could like, I don't know. It was low pressure though. You could just try jokes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do do rooms where it's like, <laughs> you can just get a set in. Like, I think those are important. Those like low pressure rooms. But if I'm in like in a new city, I'm like, I want to get notice for an audition at a club what is it your experience like being a gay stand-up comic because i know for me and this isn't doesn't seem to be as much the case here but like in austin in la i was constantly the only gay guy in the room i was about to say one of the only gay guys in the room but it's like it was usually the only gay guy in the room which is a really interesting spot to be in so i mean here's what i can say is that seattle's like pretty diverse as far as like who does who does stand-up comedy that's fantastic which is great but like when it comes comes to like shows i'm usually the only gay person whoa yeah and that's like it's fine because like i can hold my own like i'm not i'm not intimidated by hanging out with like straight guys and like stand-up is comedy stand-up comedy is a straight guy's game i'm fine i can hold my own i can like vibe i can hang out i can be funny um i can be funny without relying on like gay material yeah and i think that it's like this is so messed up to say but i think that like if you're going to try and succeed in stand-up as a gay person you have to be able to be comfortable with like being the only gay person in the room one of my friends is a famous gay stand-up comic and he's always like it's a boys club it's a boys club and it's a mostly straight boys club most of the shows that he's been on he's the only gay person and you need to be comfortable with being the only gay person in the room which is messed up and it's not okay but that's the reality I think that like the sooner you get comfortable with it the better and more successful you'll be again i don't condone this like i'm not okay with this but like that is the reality right now no i mean i think there's a lot to be said for that like the only way change is going to happen if we are so underrepresented in stand-up scene that just means that until more people start doing it you're going to have to be comfortable with that and it's kind of a shame that so many people probably stop doing it for that very reason and it just kind of exacerbates the problem i mean like i would also say like the other thing too unfortunately like i was talking about this with you last night when you're a gay stand-up everyone talks about sex and dating but like when i as a gay stand-up talk about sex and dating people
people don't see that as like, oh, that's sex and dating material. That's that's gay material. You have to find a way to make it relatable still without alienating your audience because you're performing for straight people. Like I would say one out of like 50 shows that I do is primarily gay or primarily straight audience. Like I would say one out of those 50 is like an all gay room. And like that's when I can really be like, oh, I can like let my gay material lip rip. <laughs> and like, you know, I do gay material, but I have to do it in a way that's like understandable for like my straight audience. Like I can't use like a bunch of gay terms that straight people won't know. Otherwise, it's like not going to be good for them. You know, it'll be hilarious to me, but it's not going to be like they're not going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like people of like other minorities also experience this. But it's also and one thing I like about you and also Mateo Lane's comedy is that is not does not shy away from like making jokes of, that are related to your homosexuality, your gayness, but also not at the expense of your gayness either. You know, you, you don't throw your you know, like you don't throw gay people on the under the bus to get a laugh with straight people, which I think is really, really great. And you're still able to make straight people laugh. And so I think that's a, a really great skill, like in general, I mean, me and Eric talk a lot about how there sometimes feels like there's this push and pull between being relatable to straight people while also still being able to make stuff for queer people. And I think you're able to, to like check both of those boxes really well. I try. I also think that like just being a funny gay person who's bookable and like trying to succeed sometimes is enough. I don't know. I have enough TikTok followers to where like I've gotten messages who are like, it's great to see that there's a gay person doing stand up and like being funny, you know, and then, like some of those comments aren't on videos that are like, oh, I'm just talking about being gay. You know, it's like just me talking about my life, the other aspects of my life that aren't about me being gay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. Is that something I've been working on with my own stand up is like right now, all the all my jokes are gay. And I'm like, okay, there are other parts of my personality that I should probably start uh, doing material on at some point eric what's what i know you said you haven't done as many open mics but i'm curious what kind of comedy you do oh my god the other week i introduced like i started miming stuff because (laughs) i have been told i remind people of a mime so i was like okay let's make people laugh for it and i do that i just try to do like cartoonish stuff and i'll do a lot of gay stuff as well i it's it's interesting because i feel like i am like building a foundation now within like queer and women run mics and so it's very much like when we all perform for each other it's like very much like girly girls i went to a mic the other week and it was like women run but it was like all straight men and like i was able to like clock like two other gay men um within the room and it was just like it was definitely like a different energy for sure but i just think like like even outside of stand-up comedy like code switching is something that we're always gonna have to do like Mm -hmm. no matter what like you're gonna we're gonna have to interact with straight people like on a regular basis and like because our sexualities are different doesn't mean we can't get along as people how do you feel about performing for straight people i generally feel like i don't know as long as i get a laugh like it's fine like it definitely (laughs) in in this specific mic that i had gone to it was so interesting and i like sort of went more towards the end of the open mic so like i was able to like clock the energy as i went it was scary but there are people who like there were still like people who supported and people who still laughed it just is much more daunting than like performing for like women and other gay people well, and it's also it's cool that people are making those spaces because like you're kind of giving a chance you're getting a chance to start out in a community where you can feel more comfortable and then after you're like 
feel more comfortable there because like stand-up is really intimidating even if you're performing in a room that you're really comfortable with like it's just a very intimidating especially when you're beginning so that's awesome that you've been able to find a space where it feels more comfortable for you and then from there you can start pushing yourself out of your comfort zone more um and that's great that like people are making opportunities for that i love seeing that kind of stuff i mean i'll say for as much as like i want to follow richie's advice and like be very comfortable being the only straight guy in the room which which i am i i I love straight dudes it has been so nice like to be able to go to an open mic and know richie's gonna be there and it's like all right sweet i'll at least have one friend i'll have one ally like that's that's been really cool i'm glad i can do that for you uh richie we have a question we like to ask all our guests and so the point is we have you know we'll have straight listeners who maybe want to write about gay stories um and or we have i'd like to think maybe people listening who are still wondering about their own sexuality so i like the idea the purpose of this segment is to kind of like paint a rich tapestry of what actual gay people's lives are for anyone who's curious so richie what was the gayest thing you did this week the gayest thing that i did this week i went on a date with a i went on a date with two boys i went on at the same time no two different boys and player i mean like i'm young single and attractive and and dating is hard so like i'm just throwing a white net out there yeah no 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 but that's uh so you're playing the dating game right now yeah how how are you meeting how are you meeting these fellows i met one of them through hinge and i met one of them through grinder yeah okay okay and then we've been connecting on instagram which is my favorite dating app (laughs) short side tangent the reason i started dating more is because i've been seeing someone who reminded me that i like i like intimacy and i like dating well maybe i don't like dating i hate dating but i like i like intimacy and I like being intimate with someone and there's no future with him because he's in an open marriage. Oh. Yeah. And so like we're kind of like seeing each other more regularly and I was like, oh no, I like this. I like spending time with you and I like feeling close to you. And like, I was like, oh, maybe I should start dating again and like really figure this out. Yeah, no, I think that's really sweet. Like, um, you know, I respect all relationship configurations and uh, more power to that man. But it sounds like you're looking for something where you can have more of like an intimate one on one type relationship. And I, I think it's really cool that like you realize that and are taking steps to make that more of a reality for you. All right, Eric, what's the gayest thing you did? this week gayest thing i did last night i blacked out and watched six hours of drag race (laughs) um and i've been watching uh the rest of the season sort of throughout the day i've really been in a drag race kick and it feels very much like i'm in touch with that part side of me it's nice when you say things like that it makes me realize that i'm like is the only gay thing about me is that i sleep with other men (laughs) no not at all i am showing different sides of it you you're you're giving one category i'm giving the other let's round it out andrew let's round it out Oh, yeah, I, I will definitely give a third category here. Um, so my gayest thing I did this week is it was really fun. I as I have mentioned before on this podcast, but I'm playing like with this uh, gay soccer league and it's really fun. And on Friday, they did a mixer where the dodgeball people came and like played soccer with us. And then afterwards, we all went to a bar and it was really fun. And I promoted this podcast to people. I started telling people about it. What bar did you guys go to? 
Madison's Pub. I love Madison's Pub. I do. Yeah, it's really cute. I'll set the scene for you. So you like you walk in and honestly, it looks like any other bar. And it's like not even a dance club. It's truly just like it's a sports bar. Yeah, it's a sports bar. It's like a very relaxed sit down vibe. Um, and a, like a lot of times after sports games, I feel like it's actually a like other gay sports leagues in Seattle will go to Madison's Pub. Yeah, it's a really cool, cool place to be. And so I like, met a friend that I had met a long time ago and I like sat and met with his friends. It was just a very casual like you can sit and it was really it was cool to give an opportunity to really like talk because you don't always get that at a gay club or in a gay scene. And so if you're if you came to this podcast from that night, hi. <laughs> uh, sweet. So let's talk about this movie. Call me by your name. Call me by your name. I love that da, song. Da, 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 da. It's a great one. I don't think I've ever heard that song from beginning to end. What? Mm. No, I listen to a lot of like indie music and like Latino indie and just mm. a lot. I don't listen to a lot of mainstream music. I love that song so much. I love Little Nothing. So to clarify, uh, to th- today's episode is about the movie, not the song. <laughs> Call Me By Your Name, starring Timothy Chalamet, Army Hammer, Andrew Hasn't Seen It, directed by Luca Guadagnino, based on the novel written by Andre Asaman. Yeah, so, so this movie came out 2017. So like two years after gay marriage got legalized, uh, it's also, you know, pretty recent. I honestly don't remember what the reception was of this movie, other than like it was a high profile gay movie. I mean, that's that's it. That's it. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> you got it, kid. The gays, the gays loved it. This they did? Actually, yeah. So this was a movie that was made like not set out to make like a ton of money. This was kind of just like an artsy film that was made. And then the gays got a hold of it and they were like, this is everything. Yeah. And like, I'll admit when I first saw it, I was like, oh, like, I want this. I want to I want to go to Italy and like fall in love. But like, I don't know. I'm not going to say too much. We'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's trying not to spoil any of it for me. Yeah. And what was like general reception of it? Was it just popular with gay guys? I think it was also popular with like people who were into like the artsy indie movie scene. Like, I don't think it was like a huge commercial success. Right, Eric? Do you know? I don't know. In terms of box office numbers, I don't know how well it did, but I do know that it like got recognition at the Oscars. Yeah, but it wasn't like one of those things where it's like everyone saw it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think everyone saw it. It's very much like yes, like, like if me you and know, all, you know. Yeah, me and all my friends saw it, but I'm not like one time my mom was like, "Oh, can I watch that movie with you?" And I was like, "Absolutely not, mom. <laughs> We're not." Yeah, it. I watched it in theaters, and my friend like prefaced it. I I saw it with another gay friend, and he was like, "Exactly what I said. It's like this is not a movie that." was made to set out to make money it's just like a fun artsy kind of like good movie yeah interesting wait why would you make a movie to not make money (laughs) well like that wasn't the goal it was like it was like one of those things where i'm revealing my capitalist side here i'm like so seriously they're like trying to make a statement okay yeah so correct me if i'm wrong i don't know i thought this movie like uh, I'm like I don't want to spoil it but like in my mind this sh- I don't know so don't tell me but in my mind this movie has a sad ending and like the gays were kind of like o- like over the barrier gays trope by the time this movie came out but I actually don't know that so I will wait we oh, can discuss no, a that gay story that has a sad ending what when I was in college I took like a LGBT literature class and my teacher was like this class is gonna be sad I want you guys to know that yeah yeah I mean we've talked about in this podcast before about how like it's it does seem that sometimes queer tragedies are more palatable and successful to a general audience than queer like happy queer shows it's like that sucks <laughs> i think it's 
also because that's digestible for like the masses they're like oh a gay story and like a sad ending that's the narrative that we've been force-fed about gay people is that it's it's a sad life and they die of aids like that's the narrative that like straight people have of us and i think that that's changing but like i think that for a long time that was what it was yeah exactly exactly so i think that could play into how this movie was received for sure just before we go into it do you remember liking it initially yes okay we'll have to dig into that yeah i i love this movie and i still (laughs) do We'll see. I guess we'll see how it's interesting because I, I like, I've had conversations about this movie, like in regards to like media representation and like what kind of like what we're about to dive into. But like, I feel like with this podcast, I really am like angling my point of view for through every like media I see. So I'm intrigued to see sort of the conversations that come up. Yeah, it'll be really interesting because like the last time you saw this was probably just you know seeing it like any other movie, and now you're seeing it like basically halfway through what's been a research project for us of just like digesting and dissecting and analyzing gay media. And I wonder if that's going to change the lens in which we watch this. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to find out. <laughs> At this point, Eric, Richie, and I watch Call Me By Your Name. Set in Italy in the 80s, Oliver, a 24-year-old played by Army Hammer, comes to stay with the family of Elio, a 17-year-old played by Timothy Chalamet, for a summer fellowship. Elio initially finds Oliver rude and recoils when Oliver gives him an unsolicited shoulder rub, but then the two start spending more time together. Elio tells his mom he could never express love, but eventually vaguely alludes to Oliver that he has feelings. Oliver hushes Elio, but later kisses him in private, starting a secret relationship during which Oliver plays very hot and cold. Elio's fling Marja clocks his distance towards her. After ignoring Elio, Oliver catches Elio sullying a peach, and Elio cries that he wants Oliver to stay. Wise to the relationship, Elio's parents send Elio to escort Oliver to the train when his fellowship ends. Elio's dad then has a heartfelt conversation with Elio about the love they shared. Much later, Oliver phones Elio because he's marrying a woman, and the movie ends with Elio sad by a fire. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the next episode for part two. If you enjoy the podcast, the best way to support us right now is to help spread the word and boost our signal. We would love if you would tell a friend about us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and or follow us on our social media platforms. We are at Rainbow Room Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. Feel free to DM us if you want to reach out. You can also check out our deleted scenes on YouTube by searching Rainbow Room Podcast. Bye-bye.